Y'all like that song? God, I love it. Hey, um, so today, as I mentioned earlier, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about the Holy Spirit. And I love the subject of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me be very clear. When I talk about the Holy Spirit, I refer to the Holy Spirit as a he. Because it's it, like it, a lot of us, when we refer to the Holy Spirit, we say it. Now, I'm not, I don't think you're a heretic if you do that. I just like to refer to the Holy Spirit as he. Because that's how I see him. All right, are we good? I, I, know, I know there's all this stuff about going on about pronouns and stuff like that. I'm not trying to get into that. I'm just telling y'all how I see it, all right? And I got the microphone, so that's what I can say. Anyway, um, the, the reason for the longest time when I first got in ministry, I didn't talk about the Holy Spirit a lot, is because my first experience with the Holy Spirit is not what, what you would call a good experience. In fact, it freaked me out. It still freaks me out to this day. I went with my Aunt Myrtle. Now, I had an Aunt Myrtle and an Uncle Wilton. Now, in your mind, if you can p- picture Myrtle and Wilton, that's exactly what they look like. And Myrtle could play the piano like nobody. I mean, she could absolutely just tear piano all to pieces. So she played for this charismatic church in Pickens. So my first experience with the Holy Spirit was in Pickens. So you know it's going to be good. So anyway, they were having a singing. Now, let me explain this. And it, I, I love Southern gospel music. I, I love all kinds of music, and I love Southern gospel music because my parents drug me to every singing in uh, Georgia, South Carolina, and North Carolina. And a singing is where a Southern gospel group would get up, and they would sing, like, every one of their songs, and you would just kind of go in, and you would clap. And, like, if you're at a charismatic church, everybody had a tambourine. I mean, it was just so much fun. So I went to this singing with my, and I'm sitting there, my Aunt Myrtle's kind of playing with this group, and my dad and my mom, and I'm in the middle, and we got like second row seating because of Aunt Myrtle. She had status in the church in Pickens. So we got, I was on the second row, and halfway through one of the songs, this man in front of me, I don't know this man, um, but he, like he, like slick back hair, church, church guy to the core, okay? Not judging, just telling y'all what I saw. As a five-year-old boy, and he stood up in the middle of this song, and he lifted both arms in the air, just like this. He screamed like a banshee, like his head was doing this. And then he took off running around the church. I don't know if you've ever seen this. I was fascinated. <laughs> what was even more fascinating is people started following him and doing the same thing. I guess there was like the lead runner and I was expecting like a baton, like the pass, you know, or whatever. And I was... I watched it and it started freaking me out because imagine you're five. I've never seen anything. Like we, I grew up in a Wesleyan church. We would not have yelled if the building was on fire. We would have been like, you need to slowly proceed to the door. Like that. So I've never seen anything like this. And I looked at my father and I said, what's wrong with that man? And my dad said, son, he just got the spirit. And as a five-year-old said, I don't want any of that. I don't like that, that, like I just don't ever want to do that. So, so I went to a Wesleyan church, like I said, so I was safe because we didn't talk about the Holy Spirit. Um, but in high school, I decided to try a charismatic church again, and I went with my friend. Now, there was maybe 25 people in this little charismatic church. It was over in Greenville. It was great. The preacher was awesome. His name was Brother Moore. He was 87 years old and could preach like nobody's business. And in the middle of one of his messages, he stopped. And when he stopped, a woman and on this side of the church, she stands up and she speaks in tongues. I've never seen this in my life. I didn't know what this was. And so she, she spoke, and then everybody in the church got silent. And God is my witness. This is what happened. When everybody got silent, I looked at my friend. He had his head bowed, and I said, Keith, what'd she say? <laughs> everybody in the church is looking at me. He's like, shh. I was like, no, nah, man, I did not understand that. What did she say? He said, wait for it. I said, oh, God. Like, I wasn't expecting that. What else? A woman stood up next to her and said, I am the Lord God Almighty. I went, the Lord is shorter than I thought he was. Like, what is that? So, so that? so after that, I went to a Baptist church. And the Baptist church, you're safe from the Holy Spirit there too. Because we, the Trinity and the Baptist church is God the Father, God the Son, God, the Holy Bible, okay? And, and, and so we don't talk about the Holy Spirit because he's like a crazy Uncle Eddie who shows up at Christmas, you never know what he's gonna do and you don't know if he's sober. So, so that's how, but the more I personally began to dig into the scriptures and understand the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer, I began to understand you know, he's, 
he's really an awesome, he's really awesome. And he doesn't make people weird. In fact, he empowers us. Jesus said something about the Holy Spirit that for years and years and years, I would read the scriptures and I wouldn't see it. I missed it. In fact, I've said for years and, and that the, the Great Commission was the last thing that Jesus ever said before he went to heaven. If you've been in church, you've been told that too. That's not true. That's not true. It's the next to the last thing he said. Now, by the way, the Great Commission is found in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. There's a Great Commission at the end of every gospel. It's Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Mark 16, 15, Luke 24, verses 48, and John chapter 20, verse 21. Um, and if you missed all that, just go back on Facebook or YouTube and you can write that all down. But, but he, after Luke chapter 24, verse 48, where he shared the Great Commission, this is the last thing he tells his apostles. Now watch this because this is cool. This is cool. It's cool. He said, and now I will send the Holy Spirit. By the way, the best teaching on the Holy Spirit is Jesus himself teaching in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. If you want to just read through that in your own time, you can do that. It's, it's great teaching on the Holy Spirit by Jesus. He's like he's wrote a best-selling book. So the, the Bible, okay, never mind. So, so he said, I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Now, I don't know about you. I'm not interested in taking a lap in the church. And I'm not interested in doing things that make people, but, but power from heaven, sign me up. Like I'm the guy, I'm the guy, I have learned this. So Shannon and I got married and, we, and, and married life is awesome, but she can wake up and go right into a conversation. It's, a, it's unreal. She can wake up, like I'm, I'm waking up. She's like, how are you doing? What do you think we're going to do today? And I'm like, baby, 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 baby. I, I, just, I hadn't had my coffee. I got to have my coffee. Just if I can get my coffee, I, prom I love you so much, but I can't have a conversation because coffee's my power. It's my secret weapon. Anybody like that? Don't talk to me until I've had coffee. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you understand. Um, but can, so coffee gives us power to actually have a conversation. But what would it be like? What would it be like if you could walk into work tomorrow knowing that you have inside of you power from heaven? Sign me the heck up. Power from heaven? Sign me up. Today, I'm here to tell you, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you from the moment of salvation. You can have power. And if you're not a Christian, how you can pray to receive Christ, Holy Spirit comes in your life at the moment of salvation and how you can walk in the power from heaven. Now, I'm going to teach on the Holy Spirit using a very non-traditional passage about the Holy Spirit. Let me teach, I'm going out of the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come into people's life and then he would leave people's life. He would come into people's life, he would leave people's life. David wrote in the Psalms, take not your Holy Spirit from me. In the New Testament, when the Holy Spirit comes to stay, he's there to stay. He, he, he's always with you, he never leaves you. And so that's, that kind of plays into the story. But I'm gonna talk about the Holy Spirit not from John 14, 15, and 16, what Jesus talked about. I want to talk about the Holy Spirit from the life of Samson. How many of you have ever heard from Samson? You've got a Bible background, you heard of Samson? Yeah. If you know anything about Samson, this is what you know. He went to the satanic salon, got the haircut from hell, got his eyes gouged out, and he died killing people. Okay, that's, that's how all you know. But Samson's story is fascinating. Today, I want to tell you about Samson. Now, his, mind start, his story starts in Judges chapter 13, and his mom is kind of old, and his dad's kind of old, and they can't have babies, and an angel shows up and tells his mom and dad, you're going to have a baby, don't cut his hair, and that's kind of cool because he grew up and went through the mullet stage and all that stuff, and everybody made fun of him, but um, it gets to this part right here where, where the Bible says something about the Spirit of God in Samson, and this, is, this caught my attention. The Bible says, and the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he lived in that place, which is located between those towns. Okay, the, the, the thing that I wanted to really emphasize here is the spirit of the Lord began to stir him. Now, all of us know what it's like to be emotionally stirred. Am I right? Karis and I were talking um, a couple months ago about the Star Spangled Banner. 
And, and to me, I like, for, for me, I, I, I love the Star Spangled Banner. I well up, I, I, I get emotional. And she asked me, she said, Daddy, what's the, in your opinion, in your opinion, Dad, what's the best version of the Star Spangled Banner you've ever heard? I didn't have to think. I went, oh, Whitney Houston, 1991. She said, huh? I said, oh, baby, sit down. I pulled up, aren't you thankful for YouTube sometime? I pulled up YouTube and I was like, this is going to be good. And, and she's like, are you going to get emotional? I was like, no, nah, I've seen this a dozen times. Halfway through, I'm like, <gasps> because, because it stirs me. It stirs me. And if you're, if you're somebody who served our country, it stirs you too. Like there are things that stir us emotionally. There are like if you have a, like when you get, when you have a baby, that's pretty emotional, isn't it? Now, I've met very few people going, eh, little kid, little thing around the house. Like it's, it's stirring. But, but there's something about the Holy Spirit stirring inside of us. I don't know about you, but when this happens, it, it always leads to something good if I will follow through on what the Holy Spirit is stirring me to do. How do you get stirred by the Holy Spirit? Well, it depends on how you connect with God. For me, I get stirred by the Spirit when I read the Scriptures. Like, I love reading the Bible. Like, I love it. I love it so much that I was having a conversation with somebody the other day, and they were talking about how they didn't like to read straight through the Bible because they could get Genesis and Exodus, and they're like, Leviticus is so boring. I'm like, Leviticus is awesome. Now, some of you are like, you're weird. I know because I love Leviticus. There's so many things in Leviticus that tie into the story of Jesus but that's how the Holy Spirit stirs me. The Holy Spirit stirs me through worship music. I can get on a treadmill and listen to worship music. I, I was in Israel several years ago, and I went for a run by the Sea of Galilee, and I got so caught up in the worship music that I ran six miles out. Here's the problem. That's as far as I could go. <laughs> I didn't have my phone. I couldn't Uber. So I got back to the hotel. I was like, where you been? I was like, just spending time with Jesus. And I was, I was dying, but I got stirred. I get, I get stirred when I get to come to this church. I get stirred when we get to sing together, when we get to worship together. I get stirred. What, how does the Holy Spirit stir your heart? Because when he stirs us, he begins to allow us to see things that we haven't normally seen. You know what else happens when the Holy Spirit stirs our hearts? Oftentimes he'll break our hearts. Because don't miss this. He'll show us our burden. And our burden and our calling always hold hands. He will break our hearts over things as he begins to stir with inside of us. And so Samson began to experience this stirring, like I know God's up to something. And I, did, did you know sometimes he'll stir you, but he won't give you the full information, which I don't like. I would prefer just everything at one time, but he does not run the universe according to what I think. Bothers me a little, but he's better at it than me, all right? So the Holy Spirit began to stir. Now, in Judges 14, Samson decides to get married, which is a great thing, except he's about to marry one of them Philistine women. Y'all know about them Philistine women? They not good. You're supposed to stay away from this. I, I know we live in cancel culture and everybody gets offended, but I'm pretty sure there's no Philistines here. So I'm just telling you that the Philistine women were not good women. They were pagan women. They get you... They get you like smoking beer and drinking cigarettes, all right? So it was, it was just a bad, 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 bad thing. Supposed to stay away from them women, but Samson was going to marry one. He's on his way to the wedding, and he has this weird thing happen to him. In fact, you think you've had a bad day. Maybe some of you had a bad day this week. Maybe your check engine light came on. Maybe your tire went flat. I don't know. I know none of you had a bad day like I'm about to describe this is Samson's bad day. Are you ready for it? Say yes. Are you ready for it? Say yes. yes. Y'all a little bit more weight in the last service, but not by much. Here we go. And Samson and his parents were going down to Timnah. A young lion suddenly attacked Samson near the vineyards of Timnah. Bad day. Would you agree? Because when a lion attacks... Like, I, I've been attacked by a dog when I was a kid, bit my ear off, got it sewn back on, it's fine. I've been attacked by a cat. I got attacked by a gerbil one time. Another story, it was crazy, it, it like tore up my hand, it was nuts. 
I have never been attacked by a lion. Now, listen, I, I need to say this. I didn't say this in the last service, but I'll say this. Somebody probably knows somebody that's got a pet lion. Here's what I know about you. You're white because white people have stupid pets. We do. You got an alligator. Oh, it's so, it's so cute. Now it's going to eat you one day. You're stupid. You should not have the alligator. Get the alligator out of the house. But if a, can we agree? I don't care how, I, like some of y'all, I got a CWP. It's a lion. Your little 380 is not going to stop the lion. You get attacked by a lion, can we all agree it's over? Yes or no? Yes. Now, here's what's amazing about this, because some of us are looking at this passage going, that's really awesome, Pastor P. Glad you're talking about the lion. What does that have to do with me? Because I'm not going to walk out in the parking lot and get attacked by I'm just going to try to go over to like Jersey Mike's and get a sub, and I'm sure the lion is not going to attack me, but he might. He might. Because the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. Would you agree? Good. And the Bible says this, Peter said this, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Do you know the enemy knows exactly what to tempt you with? Like he knows exactly how to come after you. I mean, there's some things he can hit me with. I'm not interested. Not interested. Like there's some things you can tempt me, not interested. And there's some things you're like, oh, oh, I can, I can just eat one cookie. I'm just going to have one. One cookie never hurt anybody. And then you eat the whole box. I've done it many times. Here's the thing, though. The, 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 the lion attack came upon Samson. There are people in this room, you feel overwhelmed by the temptation that comes your way. There are people here today, and listen, I know what it feels like, that the temptation that is coming against you, you feel like you're being devoured by it because you want to quit, but you can't. I know how that feels. That's why the Spirit of God is so... Now, this next verse, if you grew up in Sunday school, you never heard, you never heard it, never seen it. Because you put this on flannel graph, all the kids have nightmares. Just reading the Bible. You ready for it? Here we go. At that moment, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, Samson, and he prayed for the lion. Dear God, thank you so much. Give me strength to get through this time of affliction where this lion is about to be. That's not what happened. He didn't do a Bible study on lion attacks. When the Spirit of God came upon Samson, what did he do? Let's read this. It's disturbing. And he ripped the lion's jaws apart with his bare hands. Can you imagine Walking along with somebody, how you doing, man? I'm good. And a lion comes out and he's like, get off me. <laughs> You're like, can I, can I get you something? I, I, like that, This guy right here is my friend for the rest of my life. He ripped the lion apart with his bare hands. Because he was strong? No, because the spirit of God within him was strong. And if Samson can do this, to the lion that attacked him, then you and I, through the Spirit of God living inside of us, can overcome any temptation that the enemy throws our way. None of us in this room are a victim to the temptation the enemy throws. We have the power by the Spirit of God not to just to resist, but to, but to tear it apart. We can overcome temptation. We can resist temptation, not because we're strong, but because the Spirit is power from heaven. Isn't that good to know? For some people it is. For some people, you'd rather be a victim. It's easy, isn't it? It's easy. This is the way I am. This is the way I am. It doesn't have to be the way you are. 
All right, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. This is great. This is great. I'm loving this. Um, Samson got married. And, and back in the day when Samson got married, like the, the weddings lasted a week, which is a bit much, but they did it different back then. So Samson gets married, and oftentimes they would play games at the wedding. And Samson decided to play a game. And it, it, you think it can't go that bad, and it goes as bad as it can go. Now, it's, y'all, it's, it's about to get tense for about five minutes, and then we're going to laugh, okay? Y'all ready for it? It's going to get tense. You ready? Just, it's going to be fun, though. You'll love it. Love y'all. Come back next week. <laughs> Samson said to them, let me tell you a riddle. If you solve my riddle during these seven days of the celebration, I will give you 30 fine linen robes and 30 sets of festive clothing. So that, this was a big deal back in the day. But if you can't solve it, then you must give me 30 fine linen robes and 30 sets of festive clothing. clothing. All right. They agreed. Let's hear your riddle. Let me stop and say this real quick. Be careful about the agreements that you make with the enemy. There are people here today that are in bondage because of an agreement you made with Emmy. I'm not talking about weird stuff where you got in a room and had a Ouija board and sold your soul to the devil. That's not what I'm talking about. You, you agreed with his definition of who you are. You agreed that you're helpless. You agreed that there's no hope for you. You agreed that you could never have peace. You agreed that you could never have joy. You, you agreed that other people can get blessed, but you could never. You agreed with the enemy. Don't make agreements with the enemy. Samson makes an agreement with an enemy, with, with the enemy. And it gets worse. Now, if you're, if you're in a marriage and you're experiencing relationship problems, this next section is going to be a section where you don't need to look at each other or make eye contact. <laughs> this next section, it, 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 like it's Jerry Springer in the Bible. For people to say the Bible is boring, you should read the Bible because it's not boring. You can't make this stuff up. Here we go. So he said, out of the one who eats comes something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. Kind of sounds like Dr. Seuss <laughs> until he got canceled. But anyway, three days later, they were still trying to figure it out. Now, we kind of know what he's alluding to because of what happened. But like, they're like, we can't. The enemy couldn't figure it out. So watch what the enemy does. Enemy doesn't go to Samson. Watch this. On the fourth day, they said to Samson's wife, see, the enemy can't get to you. The enemy will get to your spouse. Enemy can't get to you. The enemy will come after the person closest to you. The enemy will come after the person that you love. And the goal is to divide people spiritually because if he can divide us spiritually, everything else falls, falls in place for him. So the enemy comes after Samson's wife and they put a little pressure on her. Watch, watch what they say. Entice your husband, which <laughs> that's pretty easy, right? Okay, nobody's honest. Entice your husband to explain the riddle for us. Now, at first, you're like, why didn't she just say no? Great question. Or we will burn down your father's house, which on the surface doesn't sound bad. You know, it's an old house. We've got an insurance policy. We should be fine. But they, they took it a little further. With you in it, did you invite us to this part, party just to make us poor? See, the enemy always uses manipulation and accusation and threats. And this is, I'm talking to the person right here, and you know who you are, and I'm not talking at you, I'm one of you, where the enemy comes after you and he'll make threats. He usually does it at night when you're trying to go to sleep, and your mind starts inventing scenarios that will never happen. 
but you freak yourself out. You go there. Trust me, I, I, I know a little bit about that. It gets worse. So Samson's wife came to him in tears. You ever met a, met, ever met a woman who just turned it on like, just like that? Just tears, just like, I mean, just tears. At some point you're like, oh, it don't even work anymore because you just, it's like a faucet. Don't look, don't stare, don't point. <laughs> Watch what she does. His wife came to him in tears and said, you don't love me. You hate me. Manipulation? 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 Extreme? Overboard? I'm not picking on women. I'm saying this can be on either side. Manipulation can go either way. Enemy's trying to manipulate us at all times. And he, he's definitely using this woman to manipulate Samson. He's crying, carrying on. He can't even go to Target. She's following him around going, you hate me. He's like, I'm just trying to buy a light bulb, lady. <laughs> you have given my people a riddle. Pause. Problem. See the problem? The problem is you have given my people. They weren't her people anymore. Samson was her person. But she identified more with her people than she did her person. And anytime we start identifying with our people more than our person, that relationship is not going to make it. Some of you are like, are you trying to do a relationship? No, nah, I've been married two months. I'm just still trying to figure it out. I can do a relationship series called How to Mess It Up. I'm, 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 good, at I'm good at messing stuff up. But I, I know this. If you and your person are not on the same page, it's not going to work. You, you have given my people a riddle. But you haven't told me the answer, which is problematic. No secrets. I haven't even given the answer to my father or mother, he replied. Why should I tell you? A little cold. A little cold. Is this relationship going to make it yes or no? No, it's not going to make it. Don't even make it out of the chapter. <laughs> Verse 17. So... <laughs> So she cried whenever she was with him and kept it up for the rest of the celebration. Anybody need a Xanax at this point in the story? Like, I'm just, I'm just saying, dear God, woman. I mean, she's, but don't, don't miss this. The enemy's persistent. The enemy will use whatever the enemy has to use to manipulate you, to distract you. Was this distracting for Samson? Could he, could he celebrate? Yes or no? No. You can't celebrate when the woman you just married is following you around crying all the time. He's trying to celebrate. He, he, listen, you know what he does not have? He does not have peace because the enemy has stolen it from him. He does not have joy because the enemy has stolen it from him. He does not have hope because the enemy has stolen him. My, my God, at this point, he probably doesn't have his mental health because the enemy has stolen it from him. The only reason I say that is because there are people in this room, you let the enemy steal your hope. You let the enemy steal your peace. You let the enemy steal your joy. You've let the enemy steal your mental health. And the reason I know that the enemy has stolen from you, because I know what it's like to have those things stolen from me, and I let the enemy do it. It's happening in this text. So at last, on the seventh day, he told her the answer. Because she was, <laughs> she was tormenting him with her nagging. Now, if you're looking for a verse to send your wife tomorrow, that's not it, all right? I, I can help y'all out with some other verses. That's just not the verse. Even if it's true, some things shouldn't be said. <laughs> then she explained the riddle to the young man. So as soon as he shared his secret with her, she shared it with the enemy. You see how you can't trust? If you can't trust each other, this isn't a relationship message, but it's just in there, so I gotta say it, all right? Now watch what happens. So before the sun set, the seventh day, the men of the town came to Samson with their answer. What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? In other words, they stole from Samson. Stole his relationship. They stole the answer. They stole his hope. They stole his peace. They stole his joy. Now, 
if you're ever angry at your wife or about your wife, I can't tell you what to say in that moment. I can tell you what not to say. And it's what Samson said. Samson replied, if you hadn't plowed with my heifer. (laughs) This ain't going to work. No man in this room is going to be able to look at your wife today and go, hey, heifer. I guess what, it's one of those things where women can call other women that. Y'all know what I'm talking about? A woman can call another woman a heifer, and it's fine. I've seen it happen. Come here, heifer. But a man, like, give it a try. No, no, don't give it a try. Because no, don't, don't do it like, hey, heifer, come here, baby. Like, that's not going to work. So in his mind, it, like, this relationship is so over. It is so over, all right? But he said, if you hadn't plowed with my heifer, you wouldn't have solved my riddle. And then what happens next is insane because this is where the spirit gets involved. And watch what the spirit does. Watch what he does. Then the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him and they went to counseling. I don't think there's a counselor on the planet that could have helped them at this point. Watch what happens when the spirit of the Lord came upon him. It's disturbing when you look at it. It's disturbing when you read it. It's disturbing. We'll go ahead and acknowledge that, but I'm going to explain it. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. He went down to the town of Ashkelon, which is the, 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 the town of the enemy. The Philistines were the enemy. The Philistines were occupying Israel. The Philistines were oppressing the, in, in Israel. So Samson literally walked into the middle of the town of the enemy, not because he was strong, but because the Spirit of the living God was inside of him. And look at what he does. It's disturbing. But look at what he does. Killed 30 men. That's a bit bothersome, isn't it? Killed 30 men, took their belongings, and gave their clothing to the men who solved his riddle. But Samson was furious about what happened, and he went back home to live with his father and his mother. Probably got in their basement. It's just bad, just bad, just a bad situation. But here's what I want to point out. Like the enemy tried to steal from Samson. So instead of letting the enemy steal from him, he walked into the enemy's town and took back what the enemy tried to take from him. And the reason I bring that up is because just like Samson took back what the enemy tried to steal from him, you and I, by the power of the Spirit of God living in us, have the authority and the ability to walk into the enemy's camp and say, you took my joy, I'm here to get it back. You took my peace, I'm here to get it back. You took my hope, I'm here to get it back. You took my mental health, I'm here to get it back. You stole from me, but you can't keep it because the Spirit of God lives in me. So what you took from me, I'm going to take it back. You are not a victim unless you choose to be one. Well, Samson decides he loves the girl after all. He tries to go back to her, but her dad was like, well, I thought you left, so I married her off to another man. And so Samson... Like, it, it, listen, it just got way out of hand because there was a misunderstanding. So all the Philistines came and killed the girl that Samson married. I mean, it's, it's fascinating. So Samson, in order to get back with Philistine, caught 300 foxes, which that's amazing. He, he tied their tails together and put a torch in between each tail and let them loose in, like, the, the fields, like the, the barley fields. Now, this was a problem. Made the enemy mad. So the enemy, the Philistines, the Philistines are the enemy. The Philistines are the enemy. The Philistines are the what? Enemy. So the enemy came after Samson. Now they occupied Israel. Don't miss this. Israel was a religious nation. They tried their best to follow the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. They were religious. They were children of God but they were occupied 
and oppressed by an enemy who they allowed to have power over them. Now watch what happens because this is fascinating because enemy's mad at Samson, so they're getting ready to invade Israel. And Israel's like, the whole nation's like, whoa, 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 hold up. What's, what, what's happening? And they're like, we just want Samson. Like, oh, we can handle that. Watch this. So 3,000 men of Judah went down to get Samson at the cave in the rock of Edom. Y'all know where that is, right? That's out, out near Honey Path. It's just right out the side of 252 right there. 3,000 men of Judah. It doesn't say 3,000 men of the Philistines. It says 3,000 men of Judah, 3,000 of his own people. How does it feel when your own people turn their back on you? This is lonely. I'm talking to the lonely person right now. This didn't happen in the last service. I need to stop right now. You know who you are. You're lonely. You've thought this week, if I disappeared from this earth, nobody would miss me. You're wrong. God, just, God is speaking to me right now and told me to tell you that you're wrong. You're lonely. I know what it's like to feel lonely. I know what it's like to feel like the world is against you. I promise you the world isn't against you. I want to acknowledge that you feel that way. But the person I'm talking to, and you know, God has such an amazing plan. You're not the only person to go through what you're going through, and you're going to overcome it. Not because you're strong, but because the spirit of the living God lives inside of you, and greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I know what it's like to feel lonely. Nobody loves me. Everybody turned their back on me. And you know what? Every time I said that, I just gave the enemy more and more and more power because it's not true. It's not true. You don't know my situation. I know the Holy Spirit, and he will not leave you alone. I'm about to prove it. Watch this. God, I'm having so much fun right now. So 3,000 men of Judah went down to get Samson at the cave at the Rock of Edom. They said to Samson, don't you realize that the Philistines rule over us? Stop. That's a problem. When the children of God start saying that they're ruled over by someone other than God. That's a problem. Don't you realize that the Philistines, and if, I'm, if you're on the outside going, no, you're the children of God. He's promised you this land. The only reason you're not occupying it is because you let the enemy come in and establish a stronghold. Don't you realize the enemy has... <laughs> Rule over us? What are you doing to us? But Samson replied, I only did to them what they did to me. Which that's the, he wasn't filled with the spirit when he said that. That's not the right response. This is kindergartner Samson, all right? <laughs> but the men of Judah told him, we have come to tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines. Don't, hold on. The men of Judah, the men of Judah, the men of Judah men of Judah were religious people, yes or no? So the religious people came to tie the lonely person up. Religion will tell you things like this. You're lonely because it's your fault. You know, you did this to yourself. Might be true, but is it, is it, does it help in the situation? Mm -mm. So Samson essentially had the ropes of religion placed on him. And here's the dangerous thing about the ropes of religion. The only reason you get bound in the ropes of religion is ultimately to get handed over to the enemy. You know the reason some of you quit church? It's because you couldn't keep all the rules. What music can I listen to? You can only listen to songs about Jesus. Well, then you can't listen to the hymn Amazing Grace because it doesn't say the name Jesus in any verse. What movies can I go watch? You can't go to R-rated movies. Well, what about the one about where they, the Passion of the Christ is rated R? Oh, you can go that one. It's about Jesus. Is it confusing? 
And every once in a while, you'll meet a person that's so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good, and they'll tell you, well, you should, the Bible says, be perfect for your heavenly father's perfect. Well, it does say that. Jesus said that. Matthew chapter 5, most, most people don't know that Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, is Jesus' version of the Ten Commandments. And Jesus, when he said that, he's saying, you can't be perfect. You can't follow all the rules. The Ten Commandments are not a ladder that we all climb, but rather a wall we crash into because none of us can be perfect. That's why Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and gave us the Holy Spirit of the living God to guide us through. So even when we're imperfect and we fall on our face, the Holy Spirit allows us to get back up. But the reason some quit is because you got, got bound by the ropes of religion. And the ropes of religion always put you in the enemy's hands. They never put you in the hands of Jesus. All right, Samson said, but promise me that you won't kill me yourselves. Which is like, he's like, just don't kill me. They agreed. Now watch what happens. We will only tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines, they replied. We won't kill you. So they tied him up with two new ropes and brought him from the rock. Is this, is this a situation that's about to go bad for Samson? Absolutely. There's no way this turns out good. This is to that person, the lonely person. You're looking at your situation going, there's no way this turns out good. Hey, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Don't tell anybody. I know what it's like to be there. I know what it's like to feel that way. It turns out better than you could imagine. Just keep hanging on. God brought you here to hear that message today. Just keep hanging on. You're going to make it through this. Not because you're strong, but because he's strong. Y'all clapped. I should have quit right there. But the last phase is, is good. Watch what happens. As Samson arrived at Lehi, the Philistines came shouting in triumph. Is this the dumbest thing in the world? Had they done anything, yes or no? No. They were like, woo, we won. Kind of like a South Carolina fan chanting SEC. They've never won it, but they say it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I just related to a lot of people right there. SEC. Yeah, you always get beat. But so, so the enemy is shouting in triumph. In other words, the enemy is always going to try to shout at you, shout over you, intimidate you in some way, shape, form, or fashion. This is a form of intimidation. The enemy is shouting in triumph, even though the enemy hadn't done anything. The enemy's telling people, I'm going to do this to you, or this is going to happen, or this is going to happen, this is going to happen. And we can get so focused on the enemy that we lose sight of the, the voice of God. But watch, <laughs> I love this. But the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson. See, he wasn't alone. He wasn't alone. God was like, wait for it. The angels were like, we should intervene. No, 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 wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. What should you do? No, 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 wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. And when he gets right in the middle of the most hopeless situation in the world, God's like, let's do it. I mean, he went tone loke and, and said, <laughs> said, let's go. So when the spirit of the Lord came powerfully on Samson and he snapped the ropes on his arm. Now listen, the spirit of God allows us to snap the ropes of religion. Really does. He snapped. They thought he was bound. He just, and he was until the spirit got involved. Spirit got involved. He said, get these ropes off of me. Snapped the ropes on his hands as if they were burnt strands of flax and they fell from his wrist. Then he found the jawbone of a recently killed donkey. He picked it up and killed a thousand Philistines with it. With a jawbone of a recently killed donkey. I don't know where you find one of those. I'd 
Hartwell. I, I, I have no idea where you find but that. That's great. Now, the music's playing, so I know we're, this is where we get serious, but, but stay with me because I got to say something funny before we get serious, and this is true. I went to Christian school when I was a kid, and in Christian school, we had a Bible class. And in Bible class, um, we studied the Bible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we studied the King James Version, 1611, King James. I still love some stories in the King James. I love the Christmas story in the King. I just love some King Jimmy sometimes. I just got to hear it. But when you're a kid and you're mischievous like me, I went through and found all the cuss words in the King James Bible. Now, they're not cuss words, cuss words, but today we would consider them cuss words, but they weren't considered cuss words. And one of the cuss words I found was right here because in the King James Bible, it doesn't say he found the jawbone of a recently killed donkey. No, 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 no. In the King James Version of the Bible, the Bible says that he found the jawbone of a recently killed No, it doesn't. I'm just kidding. It does. It does. It does. It does. He found the jawbone of a recently killed ass. Can we say that together on three? He found the jawbone of a recently killed one, two, three. Uh huh. Don't, this is the part of the sermon you're going to remember. I promise you, you're going to remember this. And he picked it up and killed a thousand Philistines with it. So this is legitimately an ass whipping that took place. In the Bible. And I started thinking about it. I started thinking, he broke the ropes and he's looked around. What, what do I have? What, but I, I will use this. And he won the battle. Not, he didn't say, I don't have a sword. I don't have a shield. I don't have a spear. He's like, uh-uh, uh That's what I got. And I started thinking, you know what? If he could whip the enemy's ass, we can, we can whip Satan's ass by the power of the whole. You won't forget this one. You might not like it, but you won't forget it. We can whip Satan's ass by the power of the Holy Spirit. Look, look, my thing is, instead of talking about what you don't have, look around, what do you have? I got a friendship, I've got a Bible, I've got a church, I've got some hope, I got a song. What is it that God has put in your hands? Because I promise you that he's put something in your hands that you can use to see victory in your life. I love what the Apostle Paul said about the Holy Spirit of God. This is, this is one of those verses that continues to come to life over and over and over again. He said in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, For the Lord is spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom from loneliness. There is freedom from hopelessness. There is freedom from having no joy. There is freedom from having no peace. There is freedom from thinking things will never get better. Maybe you could never accomplish breaking out of that mold on your own. But just like Samson, through the power of the spirit of the living God, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Can we stand for closing prayer? Father, I wanna thank you so much that you have given us the power of your Holy Spirit, power from heaven. God, that allows us to tear temptation apart, that allows us to resist the enemy, that allows us to not be manipulated, that, that, that strengthens us. Father, I wanna pray for every single person in this room that has made an agreement with the enemy. I wanna pray for those who have let the enemy steal something. Father, I wanna pray for the person that feels so lonely right now they feel like they will never be recognized and never be seen, Father, that you would just speak to their hearts right now and let them know that you see them. You see them and you hear them and you're with them and you're for them. Father, I pray, Jesus, that you would 
pour your spirit out that those of us that know you, Jesus, would sing and we would shout and we would testify. And those that don't know you would be moved in such a way that we would want to know you. Thank you, Jesus, that you didn't leave us alone. You gave us your Holy Spirit. Jesus, right now, Father, I pray that you would be so real to every single person in this room, every single person watching online. And if you're here with heads bowed and eyes closed, and if you're that lonely person, just pause right now and thank God. Thank God that he met you here today. If you're here and you feel like the enemy has stolen from you, you want more of the Holy Spirit in you, then your prayer right where you stand today can simply be this. Holy Spirit, less of me, more of you. Less of me, more of you. I pray that prayer two or three times a day. Less of me, more of you. Maybe you're here today and you've never prayed to receive Christ. If you don't have Christ, you don't have that power to overcome the temptation, the frustration, the loneliness, the manipulation from the enemy. Jesus died on the cross, not just so we could go to heaven, but so we can have victory here on earth. So if you're here today and you wanna pray to receive Christ, you know that's your next step. Then right where you stand right now, I want you to pray this in your heart. I want you to pray, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. Come in and take over. I surrender everything to you. With heads still bowed and eyes still closed in this room, right? If you just prayed that prayer to receive Christ, would you do me a favor and hold your hand up and hold it up real high because I want to, amen. Praise God. Amen. Real high because I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. Father, I want to thank you for the hands that are in the air. I want to thank you for the hands that are going up online right now. Father, I want to thank you that you are changing lives through this ministry. Father, I pray for every single person that has raised their hand that they would know, Jesus, that when you come to save, you come to stay, that you will never leave them, that you will never forsake them. Father, I wanna pray for every single one of us, God, as we walk out of this place, that we would walk out more of you, less of us. We would walk out with hope. We would walk out with peace. We would walk out with joy. We would walk out knowing that your plans are greater. We would celebrate who you are. We would celebrate what you're doing in our lives and in this church. We love you, Jesus. And everybody that agreed said, amen and amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Man, I'm glad. I hope you guys have a great week. We'll see y'all back here next Sunday.